we are in God. We are doing something that God is doing and we are then becoming in, in, that, in fellowship with Trinity God himself. So when we sing to one another, we are entering into a God activity and it unifies us in him. You know, when we sing together, it unifies us, doesn't it? Just like we talked about, John and I talked about last week, that, that the football crowd, they will sing and it unifies them behind Manchester United or Woking or whoever you support. Um, and our singing unites us in our one God. So that's where we left off, and we left off um, saying that also, as well as we're singing to one another, we are, our singing is worship, okay? Um, and, and so that's where I want to pick up, uh, that singing is a form of worship to God. Why do we sing when we gather? That's the whole point of this. Why do we sing when we gather together? Because for, in one sense, our singing is an offering of worship to God. Okay. Now, if you excuse me, I'm going to nerd out a little bit in in Bible here. And uh, if you want to get to, you can turn to First Chronicles chapter 16, which is uh, not necessarily the first page your Bible will fall open at. Um, it's which is in the kind of middle of the Old Testament, First Chronicles, um, and we'll look at chapter 16. But before we get to that, I'll give you a little sort of. Uh, um, so an overview, the story of worship, if you like, in the Bible. All right? and, and actually, uh, funny enough, um, Sheila alluded to this as, as she was saying what she said about communion today. But in the Old Testament, um, worship, this, this would have been the thing. Because today, in fact, um, last week when Joe was coming to church, she said to me, um, what sing- songs are we singing this week at church? You know, because, and sometimes people ask me, in fact, actually the girls sometimes ask me, what are we going to sing in church today? As if so, I'm kind of looking forward to singing Amazing Grace, or I'm hoping they're going to sing, you know, my favourite song or whatever. Um, but in, in the Old Testament days, it would have been more like, you know, the kids would have said to the, the dad, Dad, what animals are we killing today? You know, can you imagine? <laughs> All right. So, you know, not like somebody says to me, oh, I just love it when we sing Amazing Grace or How Great Thou Art or The Splendour of the King. I love singing those things. But they would have been like, do you know what? I just love it when they slaughter the lamb, you know, or they get the chicken and they go, <laughs> and then, yeah, that's worship. Because I don't know if you've come across this, but um, people today, don't they, they, they say, uh, it's, it's very consumer-led, our worship, unfortunately, and, and we have to recognise this, and, and it's, I'm not saying it's right, but this is, they'll say, oh, you know, you've got to go to this church, the, the music is amazing. You know, the, or the worship band's amazing, or the organist is amazing if you're from that tradition, or the, the songs they sing are amazing. But you, you imagine, you know, back thousands of years ago in, in Old Testament times, when they go, oh, you've got to go to that temple. The way they slaughter those animals is just like absolutely incredible. You know, you've got to, you've got to go and see it. And um, it's strange, isn't it? It's strange to think like this, but that's kind of where we've got to, and I don't know if it's necessarily right. Um, so in the Old Testament, as you read, you'll see that God gave, through Moses, so this is early on in the, in the story of God, um, instructions on how the people were to worship. And what it involved was sacrificing animals, um, specific instructions on how that was to be done, specific instructions on what animals were to be used and when, and, and all these different things. There was a, a tabernacle, which was like a tent, uh, which was was seen as the presence of God and the animals would be sacrificed there and there was these priests and there was Levites and it was all very complicated if I'm honest and I still don't understand all of it because well yeah 
And so to be in a, wor- a worship leader in those days, rather than being a musician, you would really more likely need the skills of a butcher. Okay, so rather than a piano and a guitar, you would have probably a knife and a fork. And, uh, and um, that's how things were. It was a very blood-centred uh, form of worship, literally. The, the shed blood was represented, as we've talked about today, uh, a cleansing and a forgiveness. And that was the worship system of the Old uh, Testament. Animals, blood. And it was continual, because every time... Uh, an offering was made, then an offering would continue to be made because sins continued to happen. I don't know if you've noticed, but we continue to get things wrong, and so these offerings would continue to be made. And I'm going to go to where Sheila went with as well. Actually, you know, fast forward through the Bible, and you you come to Jesus, and and fast forward. And when you when you read the Bible, always particularly Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. Look at where the trajectory. Do you know what I mean by trajectory? What direction this is taking you? Where is this taking you? And you'll know the Sunday school answer. Yeah. You have to sort of see, where does this, how does this take us to Jesus? Because Jesus fulfills all of these things. And so nearly 1,500 years after Moses, Jesus comes along. And the climax of his story is him hanging on a cross, which is a weird climax, right? You know, if you're writing a Hollywood film, you usually have the hero having the victory. And we all celebrate the music plays and in the credits roll but actually in the climax of the gospels is the utter opposite he's hanging on a cross dying bleeding and the bible puts it in these terms here is the lamb of god slain for the sins of the world and you see the climax of the old testament sacrificial System where the one atoning sacrifice, the one lamb has been offered and Jesus' self-sacrifice is the greatest offering. So all of that Old Testament stuff where we read it and we think, what is this all about? And even if you don't ever get really the intricacies of all the stuff in, if you read the book of Leviticus, who does that for fun? Actually, Liam does. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, (laughs) Liam, if you don't know Liam, go and see him, but it's the Wendy's son. So, um, um, these Old Testament sacrifices are pointing to Jesus who is the perfect sacrifice made once and for all okay I'm just going to read you a bit from Hebrews I know you've got you to tell me some of it just listen to this it says and by that will we have been sanctified through the <coughs> offering of the body of Jesus once and for all every priest it's talking to the Old Testament priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God waiting for the time until his enemies should be made his footstool for his feet for by one single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified basically what this is saying is what Jesus said on the cross is finished the offering for sins has been made in Jesus on the cross once and for all. This is where our hope and our faith and our security is. That we don't have to keep going on sacrificing animals anymore because Jesus has sacrificed himself. And therefore, worship and the sacrificial system is no longer needed. I don't know if you've noticed, but there is no temple anymore. There is no sacrificial worship anymore in, in the Jewish tradition or the Christian tradition because the need for that has gone because Jesus has done it it is finished so the question is has worship ceased 
Oh, nope. Yeah, thank you. Good answer. Nope. Don't be silly, Richard. Of course not. Okay. Because God continues to be worthy of praise. And if, and if anything, actually now because of Jesus, we have more reason to praise him and more reason to worship him. And so you, you ask the question, how do we worship God? And, and so we go back again into the story and you look at King David. And this is where you've got your thumb in the Bible, hopefully now, if you're still there. Okay. Um, King David um, wrote... Uh, many psalms and and he also instigated things and I'm just going to read to you now if I can find it I've got everyone to turn there I haven't turned there First Chronicles chapter 16 actually I'm going to read you a bit of verse chapter 15 verse 16 says this David King David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments lyres harps and cymbals Okay, so David got a band together. Okay, that, if you, that's my translation. Uh, okay, but that's basically what it is. If you don't know what a lyre is, it's a sort of a stringed instrument. Um, and if you need to, make it a guitar in your head. Okay, that's what it was. Some kind of, so Graham is one of our lyrists. Okay, Shari and Ada, they're lyrists. They don't lie, but they tell the truth. They speak the truth to the liar. Okay, and harps also were... You know what a harp is, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't have looked like that. It would have been much smaller and kind of handheld harp. And cymbals. My, a drummer friend of mine tells me that they're not cymbals like, they would have been more primitive cymbals, not these very refined. It would have been quite a raw sound. Um, so that's what David got his band together. And then if we carry on in, in chapter 16, uh, verse 4, it says, He appointed some of the Levites. Now remember, the Levites are the worship leaders, they're the ones that have been doing all the sort of sacrificial stuff. He appointed some of those guys, the Levites, to minister before the Ark of the Lord, which was seen as the, I'm explaining now, the the, the presence of God, to extol thanks and praise to the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and next to him in rank was Zechariah, then Jaziel, Shemareth, Jehiel, Matatiah, Eliab, Benaniah, I'm glad I read this one out, Odebidom, and Jael, they, went, they were to play the lyres and harps, Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah and Jezeel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. So basically, here's the band, we've even named them. You know, and, and this would have been like sort of saying, you know, on drums, you know, we've got, <laughs> and on, 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 uh, on guitar we've got this person, and, and, and on trumpet we've got this person. Notice they, they play trumpets as well, it's good. And so David establishes this kind of band, this Levitical priestly orchestra, and they were to praise and worship God in the tabernacle, in the place where God, where they believe God to be dwelling, 24 hours a day using the Psalms. Great. I love it. You can understand why I might like this. And in so doing, so David did this about a thousand years before Jesus, and in so doing, he starts a form of worship for the future. This is planning for the future from David, okay? Because I don't know if he knew this, whether he, David knew that the, the, end, the, the sacrificial system would come to an end at some point. But actually, this way of worship looks forward to a time when sacrifice is not needed anymore, the animal sacrifice is not needed anymore. So how are we going to worship? As Isabel's gone, like, oh, of course we worship, but how are we going to do it? If we haven't got the animals to sacrifice, what are we going to do? Ah, well, we can sing. 
And that's how we can carry on. And as you read through these two chapters, if you want to go home, you might need to skip through some of the names because they are quite long. But if you read these two chapters, you will get the idea of a rich, colourful, exuberant and vibrant sound that goes to make up the musical praise and worship in David's tabernacle. And you get a full palette of orchestral sounds So I'll read some of these in verse 16 of chapter 15. It says, Sing joyful songs accompanied by musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals, and tubers. Thank you. Somebody's listening. And yeah, it's it's good. Yeah. Read these scriptures carefully. Make sure we're not being heretical. Um, Verse 19, there's musicians. Verse 27, there's singers and a a choir master. You know, I love this idea that actually in chapter 15, they appoint a choir master. I don't know if you've ever sung in a choir, but to get everyone to sing together, you need somebody to pull it all together. You know, um, in verse 28, it says that there'll be shouts and sounding of ram's horns. I talked about that last week. That can be interesting. Trumpets and cymbals and lyres and harps. In verse 29, you find David dancing. In chapter 16, they're playing lies and harps again. In, uh, we've already read it out. In verse 6 of chapter 16, they, they blow trumpets regularly. I need to do this more often, don't I? I need to blow the trumpets regularly. They sing to him, they praise him, they tell of his wonderful acts, and they ascribe to God the, jo- the, the glory due to his name. Now, David, you just seem to know that you can't just worship God with a few little words. He, he, he kind of had this creative, uh, exuberant style that, that actually just one instrument or just one song would not have been enough. It, it wasn't just like, oh, we'll sing this or, or read this out. But if you, you read this and there's the symbols of bronze, there are even um, musical terminology here. There's, there's, in verse 20, it mentions the alamoth. I don't know if it says that in your translation. but And it's, it was to say the females' voices are to... Uh, to sing this or the men in a falsetto voice do you know what falsetto is I could get Keith to demonstrate but, uh, it's, it's when a man sings in the higher registers it's called falsetto so th- there's even musical instructions here and um, the sheminith is, is said this is a, an, in, an instrument with eight strings so it's basically saying you know we don't want that four string one we want the eight string one make it big make it large you know we want the, the big sound trumpets horns it's a rich sound because we have a rich God don't we we have a God who's beyond description, but it, so if we're going to do him any kind of justice at all, we need a variety of sound, a, a, a rich, wide range of instruments and sounds that try and describe the fullness of who God is. And it says in New King, King James, raise the voice with resounding joy. I hope when we come to church we're able to to raise our voices with resounding joy. And if, even if we don't feel joyful, we come, and the part of the getting together is we look, as we look around and we say, ah, there is joy here, and I can join in with that. Joyful songs, to raise the sound. I'm, I'm pretty sure this would have been quite a racket. There are other places in the scriptures where they, they said that you can hear the sound of their singing, the, hear, the sound of their rejoicing, like from miles away kind of thing. You know, there was such a noise going on, there's such a racket going on in the worship place of Israel that it was heard all around. And anyway, so there's all that going on. And actually, not to mention, and dare we even go this far, that you know, David is whirling around and dancing. 
out of control. So, um, you know, this is, uh, this, is, this is pretty wild. Now, unlike the sacrificial system, as I say, the musical form of worship never was never superseded. It was never sort of, there's nothing ever to stop it. So that's why it continues now. So why do we sing when we come to church? Because it is a God-ordained way of worship, which is great. So we can express our praise, our thanks, our love, our adoration, our trust, our faith, our hope. We can express those things in God in song. And sometimes you don't know even how to put those in words, do you? Because we find it difficult sometimes to find the words. So that's why we sing the songs. We have these words. That they, we have uh, helpfully, people have helpfully crafted songs for us and we can put those things into words. I think worship <coughs> reorientates us. It refocuses us. It resets us, it redirects us in God's direction, doesn't it? Because when we start to sing, you know, there's a psalm that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes we need to sing to ourselves, don't we? Or we and sing to one another, you know, when we, we're feeling a bit down. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And what am I doing? You know, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to refocus my heart and my attention on God. Because sometimes things take our attention and take our focus. And our worship, it, it points to God, it declares God, it exalts God, it magnifies God, it enthrones God. So our singing is God's praise, our worship is through song. It's our response to who he is, that's why we sing. And we sing when we get together, we, we hear those sounds of truth. Because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes when we get to church we don't feel like worship. You know, if the cat's been sick on the carpet just after, before you've left or... You know, or you just had road rage, or it turns out, even as it happened today, Thorpe Park, 15 minutes traffic, ah, you know, this does not set me up for worship, does it? And, and, but when we gather together and in the, the community of God's people, we, we encourage one another as we not only worship God, but we sing to one another these, these songs of truth. Now, in this Chronicles, chapter 16, one of my favourite. Uh, passages in the Old Testament embedded within that description of all those musical instruments and how okay this is how you can worship now in song there is um, what we call now I think a mashup is that the right word young people a mashup is that a am I being yes where yeah so we, we've got several things so what David did is he took lots of different psalms and he's mashed them up man <laughs> I'm feeling all contemporary um, so this is, and it's like, a, all right, in olden terms, it's a medley, a medley of, of psalms. And so if you read verse uh, 8 in chapter 16, it says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Now, I think that is like, so that's a part of a psalm actually, I think, I can't remember where it says, where it says in the footnotes where that psalm comes from, is it 105 I think? Um, so that's one bit that he's mash, mashing up with other bits. Do you notice that, I think that's like a starter for 10, do you know what I mean by a starter for 10? Maybe the younger ones won't know this. So there, there was a, was it um, University Challenge, that was it. It's a quiz programme for the clever people and I can never get the questions but they have a starter for 10 and so the, the questioner asks a question and if you get that question right you get 10 points and then you can answer some other questions is that how it works? I think that's how it works yeah. so this this is like a starter question 
Give or a start of us. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Okay. So what has He done? It's kind of like saying, "All right, over to you guys. We, we sing this together. Make known what He's done. Now, what do you need to do? Tell us what He. Tell me. Tell me what, what has He done." <coughs> And so we see these are the kind of like the raw lyrics of the song. And now we've sung the song. Right, okay, we've sung tell. So are we going to do something about this? So can we do this? Now these aren't abstract ideas. These, these are calling people to say, okay, put this into, into words. Put this into your own words. So that's why I sometimes in between songs I say, come on, let's just celebrate what Jesus has done. In fact, let's do that now. Tell, tell me, what has God done this week or in your life or around you I'll put you on the spot now you thought I was preaching now you're going to preach go on saved me saved you thank you okay that's a good start that's another starter for ten <laughs> great what's he saved you from uh, sorry to bring hell, you on hell okay I know we don't say that word very often right? okay the absence of God eternity yeah mm-hmm. yeah Anyone else? It, it doesn't have to be. I think he's given us compassion for people who actually aren't as fortunate as ourselves, whose life has really not been kind to, and so consequently mm-hmm. they've gone down that spiral. Whereas mm-hmm. you know that could have been us mm-hmm. if God hadn't inter- interceded for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Has brought joy and light to my life. Ah. This Great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. It's brought joy and light, light. to your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, and what a variety. You know, we've gone from like a like big, heavy uh, theological thing, which is true, mm-hmm. uh, a sort of an issue of justice, and then just like, well, well, this week I've been joyful. This, mm-hmm. this is what God does. Anyone have breakfast this morning? Yeah. Okay. Where'd that come from? Tesco. I knew you would say Tesco's. <laughs> yeah. And where did Tesco's get it from? A farm? And where did the farm get it from? The cow. Yeah, exactly. And where did the cow come from? Yeah. So who gave us breakfast this morning? You know, we can. We need to get into the habit of saying, "I'm giving thanks to God that He has done good things." Whether it's breakfast, salvation, joy, compassion, healing. Healing. Thank you, John. Yeah. I thank God for Ripley Green. You thank God for Ripley Green. Amen. It's a lovely place just to go and sit and. Watch all these silly dogs chasing wolves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And thanking God for creation. Chris and I went out for a bike ride yesterday. Had a great time out in the hills. Beautiful sun, beautiful scenery. He was a lot quicker than me. Beautiful watching him disappear up the top. But you know, I thank God for being able to do that. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so we carry on in these these um, this psalm. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, this mashup. It says in verse 23, Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim the good news, his salvation from today to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among the peoples. Again, do you notice, we're talk- these songs are not just for God. And when we say those things that you've just said and everything else, and we attribute it to God, we encourage one another... But I dare us to go... In, I'm not suggesting we start singing to people you know, outside church. But there is a speaking. In fact, it says here in my translation, in um, verse 
9 says, Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of his wondrous works. And we think that praise and worship is just something that happens in church or maybe in our shower or wherever we, you know, or wherever our prayer room is. But you know, when we go out into the world around us, the thing is here, if we were to praise God, it is it's actually a missionary work. Okay, when we sing praise, and I, I tell of God, so, so let's say, I'm glad because I know what, what Rose is talking about. She's joyful this week because God has put joy in her heart. I get that. John can say I've been healed, so I'm just using it as an example. But then if you go out and tell somebody who doesn't believe, that's gone from being encouraging me in faith, which I already have, to bring a, a, a missional message to the world around. And so that's what it's saying here. Declare his glory among the nations. These guys are going to Florida, you know. I mean, wherever we go, you know, whether it's Chertsey or Florida, wherever our journey is this week, let's declare his, his, his glory. And then come in verse 31, and this comes to Keith saying, let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar. Let the fields rejoice. Let the trees and the woods rejoice before God. Now, do we say that to the trees and the or rip, and Ripley? Let's use Ripley Green. Do we actually say that, or actually, are we actually saying actually these things are doing that anyway? And we once we open our eyes, we see it. We're agreeing with that. You know, we sing the song, "All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and let us sing." So it's joining in <coughs> because actually, when we realise that God has created all this, that's why I said, "Give thanks for your breakfast." Where does it come from? Tesco's. Where does Tesco's get it from? A farm. Where does the farm get it from? A cow. Where does the cow come from? It comes from... Hmm. Another cow. Another cow. <laughs> where did the other cow... Where did the cow come from in the first place? And you realise that actually when you do... Without some clever person in the back. Um, you know, you realise that these things come from God and all things then bring glory to him. And so we join with all creation in giving him praise. Wake up in the morning, you've gone to bed however you might feel. But as the verse comes to me, and in the morning, I'm still with thee. Yep. So he's with us all night, even when we're asleep, and perhaps don't even feel his presence. Mm-hmm. But in the morning, we wake, we're still with God, and he is still with us. Do you know what? I think that even comes from a psalm. I think it's Psalm 3 or 4. I'll look it up. Okay. But you're right. Yeah. No, it's giving, giving thanks. One second, but I'll come yeah, to But yeah, giving thanks to God and saying, I thank you that I'm just, you know, I went to sleep in your care and now I'm awake. <laughs> so I have another day. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. No, I was just going to say I can relate to that because um, quite often I wake up in the morning and I've got a hymn, mm-hmm. um, you know, that I, as soon as I get up, I can be running through my mind. Yeah. Um, you know, a song or a hymn. So, yeah, I can relate to what Robert's saying. I can't find it. So, there are so many reasons why we sing in church, but I just wanted to give that an, another sort of angle, with that, particularly that this is our worship. It is our glory to him. And I want to encourage you to continue to develop that language. The songs we sing are like the, the songs and the psalms are, are really almost a starter for ten in many ways. They're, they're true, and they, they, but when it says, declare his works, 
The psalm will go on oftentimes and declare his works, but often there will be works from the history of Israel, which are true, and we should declare those things. But also, there's been a lot happened since then. (laughs) So let's continue to declare his works, whether it's joy, whether it's salvation, whether it's justice, whether it's Ripley Green, healing. I can't remember if anybody else has said anything else, but let us speak those things out. Let's give God the praise. Or breakfast, that was my one. Notice I always would come back to food for me. So. so Psalm 139, verse 18. When I awake, I am still with you. Thank you. That's it. That was the one I was thinking of, yeah. That was miles off in terms of, I thought it was Psalm 4, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I awake, I'm still, yeah, I'm still with you. Yeah, thank you. You may have repeated in other Psalms. But, yeah. Good. Can we finish with some more song? Let's just get into the, the, the habit and the practice of this. Um, and, yeah, anyone got a song they want to sing? Can I just have one? Yeah, one please, do. I remember reading this and thinking, what would that have been like? Uh-huh. Jesus, uh, before going out to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples at the uh, Passover celebration that Sheila was telling us about, um, they, sung, they sung a hymn. Yeah. Yeah. It says in Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 14, verse 26, when they had sung at him, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So it's called singing to God, is it not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just wonder how Jesus worshipped God at that moment. <laughs> I just wanted to add as well, because it was something that's been on my mind recently anyway. Um, my mum used to say, when I was really you know, nervous or anxious, is that God inhabits the praise of mm-hmm. his people. Mm-hmm. So as you praise God, he actually comes to you. Beautiful, yeah. God inhabits the prayers of his people, yeah. And coming back to this, in, I, I, struck, I, I could have gone in many directions today, but one of the things I was going to say, so, but now as Daniel has risen, raised it, God singing to God, Jesus singing to the Father. Um, in Hebrews chapter 2, it talks of Jesus and it says, He's not ashamed to call us his brothers. And then Hebrews puts in the word in the mouth of Jesus it says, I will declare your name to my, my brothers in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. So when we gather together to worship, it's actually Jesus who's wor- leading the worship because he's, he's declaring God's name in song in the midst of the gathering. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. And I think we sing truth to one another. When we sing those things, the things mm-hmm. we sing are truth. We kind of affirm it amongst ourselves. This is what I believe. This is this is true. Yeah. And it's just reinforcing that again in the assembly, isn't it? Yes. This is, this is where we stand. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone got any requests? Go on, let's go on.